Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Welcome to the audio podcast of the Practice Manager webinar that was recorded on Wednesday the 3rd of February. Carol, I think it's over to you to start off with, please. Thank you very much. It is, and I'm, I do apologise straight away that you've only got the B team here. No, I'm sorry, my, my colleagues, but um, Nigel, unfortunately, has had to go to another um, national meeting, and it's all to the good. It gives us lots and lots of updated information to share with you. So he does apologise for not being here. Um, what he did ask me to say to you, and I think it goes without saying, is you are doing an absolutely incredible job on the vaccination programme, the results that we're seeing, the numbers that are going through, we are absolutely, the the UK itself is way ahead of the rest of the world. But in in our areas, we are way ahead of many, many other parts of the country. I'm not saying it's a competition. It's not. We know this is a, a marathon rather than a sprint. But, you know, just well done, everybody. What I would say to you, and, and, and Louise will kill me if I don't, is even with all of that and with all the pressure you're under, please try and take care of yourselves and your teams. We don't want you burning out, getting stressed or anything. And I'm going to talk about some of the support that we can put in place for you later on, um, just, just as a reminder. So um, I'm going to move on and just very briefly talk about the uh, 2021 um, contract. Um, as you'll have seen from Nigel's um, newsletter and also from the LMC update that we did last week, that there have been minimal changes to the GP contract for this year. Some of them are quite um, insignificant, even though they are changes. Things are going to be phased in because you need to be given the opportunity to get back to business as usual without um, being pressured into sort of trying to do everything in the last month or two of the year. And I'm not talking this year, I'm talking next year. So um, what we understand is that the GPC is still going to do some roadshows where they can flesh out the detail and give you a lot more information about what the changes mean. And you can ask all those awkward questions like, do I have to give my retainer the 2.1% uplift, which I'm not going to answer today. So please don't. Um, um, but they will answer all those questions. So if you get yourselves ready, as soon as we know when the roadshows are going to be with, and it will be with one of the GPC negotiators, um, we'll advertise that so you've got the dates for your diary. The, um, the other thing I just wanted to mention to you was about vaccine wastage. I think there's an awful lot of confusion out there because NHS England is saying you cannot give that second dose. We've got to hit all the first doses and they would rather you came down the cohorts um, than actually start to give the second dose. What the GPC and the BMA is saying, the absolute um, priority is that we must not deliberately waste any vaccine. So if your reserve list for whatever reason isn't available or it happens to be, I don't know, Saturday at six o'clock and you've got three left, for God's sake, just do what you need to do. Don't waste the vaccine. Give that give that jab, um, preferably to a healthcare professional or preferably to somebody that's coming into the next cohort. Um, just, just don't waste it. That, that's the message. 
The other thing that um, the BMA are pressing for is around when you can start to give those second doses as part of the program. And as you know, there's been a lot of confusion at the very beginning with Pfizer saying it would be three weeks and then the Department of Health said, no, it's going to be 12, the same as AZ. Um, and, and there's lots of toing and froing about that. What the BMA has asked is for NHS England to clarify absolutely when those second doses are going to start and give some guarantees about the delivery of the... This always happens to me. Um, uh, yeah, give some clarity that those supplies will actually be available and that the right vaccines will be available. So again, it's been pushed and pushed by the BMA and we'll get that information to you and get some clarification and get some, um, you know, uh, confirmation as soon as, as soon as we can. I'm going to hand over to M Michelle now, who's going to talk about the uh, PCM planning tool. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Carol. So um, NHS England in their bulletin last week highlighted um, an updated version of the PCM planning tool, which is in Foundry. Um, it, there is a really useful guide on the futures platform and talks you through the three step process of registering. If you haven't seen it, it's worth just having a look. This is very similar to um, our flu calculator that we produced for the uh, flu season. Um, theirs is a bit more uh, of an upgraded than ours. Ours was in a spreadsheet, but theirs is in a nice piece of software. The one thing they do highlight is that you need to use it in Google Chrome. This probably makes it more efficient and and uh, and work and works. Um, the updated version includes Pfizer and AZ now, and what it enables you to do, it'll track. You'll be able to track your progress with the different cohorts. Um, it also calculates the minimum waiting room and observation room requirements necessary for your input. I think is what it says. So. Um, really looks like quite a useful tool and useful to be aware of. I was also just going to quickly talk about um, the comms pack that have, uh, has been updated. I think they're on the fifth edition. Um, and again, that's on the uh, futures platform. And if you get the bulletin, it was the, I think it was 102 bulletin that you can have a look at. Um, there's a number of things that they have updated. They're particularly um, identifying the BAME um, community and that there's information around that so it's worth going and having a look. It's also worth being aware that there's a new COVID leaflet that's been issued for patients with learning disabilities and for their families and carers so useful to know that that's there. And I think I'm also following on from that um, Carol just to talk a bit about some of the work that Dawn and I have been doing. Um, we've had quite a lot of queries coming from practices and it was also discussed at our um, one of our committee meetings about confusion of all the pots of money that is available to practices and PCNs. So Dawn and I have done quite an extensive search of, of all the information from various organisations and have produced a spreadsheet, which I'm just going to share my screen to show you. There are various pots of money that's available to practices and PCNs. And you can see from the spreadsheet, all, all this basically does is collate that information into one place and it gives you the scheme, the date it was released, the overview of that pot of um, funding available, the eligibility criteria for you to access it, any submission or application required, the national funding that's available if that's known, whether it's recurrent and non-recurrent, who it gets, who it's received by, and the national documentation sitting around that. Um, it's on our website, so if you want to go and have a look, if you type pots into the um, search engine or primary care funding, 
you'll be able to find it that way. And the other thing just to highlight, what we have also included on the spreadsheet is the reimbursements that you're able to access. So particularly thinking around um, sickness, paternity, uh, CQC, water rates, business rates, all of that is within that too. So hopefully you'll find that a useful spreadsheet. And as I say, you can, it's now on our website. And I think that's it from me. I just Thanks, need to unshare my screen, don't I? You there do. That, that'll be fine. Thank you. I think we're going back to you, Carol, for professionals available to work. Uh, yeah, let me just answer the two questions that have come in on the Q&A before we leave that. So one of the questions was around why are the mass vaccination centres being able to book patients in um, in 12 weeks and practice and PCNs can't? Um, that's actually, it depends on the area, I'm afraid, um, because each area comes under a region and regions have made the decisions in their own right. So in Hampshire, they've said you can't do it. In Dorset, they're telling patients to go back on the National Booking Centre and book their own second appointment and it gives them the opportunity to book. It's, it's, I personally think it's taken a little bit of a chance because what's been happening recently, and I think this answers the second question, is that there is a, a national picture of where all the vaccines are being given and which cohorts what the national people are, the logistics people are now doing is looking, are there any care homes that haven't been done anywhere in the country? Are there any over 80s, care home staff, healthcare professionals, health and social care professionals, where there seems to be a huge gap in them being vaccinated? Where that's happening, the logistics department are directing those vaccines to those areas in preference to other areas which are doing well. So whilst I was congratulating you on doing really, really well, sometimes it may well be that, um, that we have suffered a little bit. However, we are told now that the numbers of, of vaccines and the supplies is really stepping up and we should all be able um, to look at the second dose picture very, very soon and also the next cohorts. So that's a bit of information. We're just waiting back from the BMA who are who are negotiating this with NHS England. But, but that's the reason behind it. There's two things. It's, you know, gaps in areas across the country and also the supply chain itself. So, OK. Thanks, Karen. I think if somebody's saying, you know, is it the wrong thing to do? It's really hard at the moment to make sure you're getting everything right all the time, isn't it? And I think it isn't wrong. It's just a changing picture, isn't it? Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, and I think the, th the thing is, obviously, we're going to, it, because we're stepping up, because obviously, you know, just like anything in any practice or me most practices, you know, you're, you're 80 year olds, you've got a certain amount, you've got more 70s, you've got more 60s, more 50s. So the, the more we come down those cohorts, that pool of people to be vaccinated is going to grow. Um, that's why they brought the pharmacists in um, to start with. And obviously, this is where some of the people that are registered to be vaccinators and, and are saying to us, nobody wants us, we're, we're, we're not being contacted. It's because we haven't got the work yet, but we will have the work very, very soon. And we're gonna, we are going to talk a little bit about um, uh, professionals and, and availability to work, which I'm just going to cover now so that you're basically up to date and, and you'll be ready uh, uh, as and when you need these people. 
Carol, can I just ask just this one final question on that? We still haven't got next week's schedule and we're supposed to be given 10 days notice. I mean, is there any, and I know you're pushing back, but is there any good news you can give us on that front? Because that's so frustrating. <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> any of my colleagues would like to give some good news. I mean, that is appalling um, because that is not right. You were supposed to be given and we were and we were told it would be guaranteed that you would actually be given two weeks. So what we will do is we'll alert um, Nigel to that so that he can take it back to both the regional and the national steering groups because that that's not good enough you you can't plan your you know your patients are, are getting messed about although you know I've never seen so many happy faces as I saw down at the Bournemouth International Centre when I went there to do some observation it was amazing people are so thrilled um so it's quite nice to you know nice to be smiled at for a change even if it is behind a mask you can see the crinkle in the eyes but we are doing our best and we will push and push and push for that one we we understand how how frustrating and difficult it is for you and your patients does anybody want to add anything okay Okay, so so going on then from that to um, at the moment, like we say, the the locums are, are um, I'm saying this politely, but they're, they're having a bit of a whinge because nobody wants them, um, and uh, I didn't laugh about that. That's just I'll call it nerves. Um, but we know that they are going to be needed at some point. So at the moment, you've got your workforce hubs that are actually supplying staff to deal with COVID. So they're supplying the mass vaccination centres, some of your PCNs, et cetera, et cetera. You, I know, are covering a lot of the work yourselves as practices by releasing staff to do this work. There's a new um, pool available called the Flexible Work Pool. Now, we think some of our CCGs and some of our areas are, are, have got a little bit mixed up about what that is, but we are trying to make sure that we don't give you any duff information. So we think it's actually for backfill for you if staff go off sick, admin, yourselves, any clerical staff, nurses, everybody. That's what we believe that that flexible work pool's about. But when we've talked to the providers, of the service, they're still saying it's only for COVID. It is for COVID, but it's because of COVID rather than they have to work in a COVID centre. So we think they can come into your practice and maybe backfill for nurses that are going off vaccinating or whatever. So we are we are pushing and pushing and pushing to get more detail on that so that we can give you real clarity. Um, some of you probably already know who your flexible work pool is being provided by. Some, some of you might not, um, but we'll make sure that once we know and we know the detail, we'll give you all that information as well. The workforce hubs is already on our website. It's just the flexible work pool. It isn't. And they're all paid for, by the way. Um, just to say, some of you, some practices are still coming to us at the moment for support. And that's fantastic. And the support we, we're providing is still there. We've still got our PM supporters. We've got our GP supporters. We've got a list of caretakers and project managers that we can share with you. And then you get on um, uh, with them and see if they can help you and support you. This is outside of anything to do with the COVID and workforce. The one thing I did want to draw to your attention, and some people have, have told me recently they weren't aware of it, 
on our website, we have a page called Wessex LMC's Professionals Available to Work. And it consists of GPs, locums, practice managers, um, admin staff and, and all sorts. You do need to be logged in to see it, but you all have logins because you're all members. At the moment, we've got 46 people on there and of all sorts of different ilks. So if you're short of something, if you think, oh, my God, I need some help or with whatever, do have a look on there because it may well be that somebody from that list might be available to help you. Okay. And um, sorry, it's me again, but um, I need to talk to you about DBS checks. Okay. So firstly, we'll talk about DBS checks in relation to COVID. Now, a number of you, as you know, if you go to the workforce hubs for your staff, they will do the DBSs and all the background checks. What we know from some of you is it's taking far too long and you need people now. So a number of you are coming to the LMC and saying, can we use your DBS checking service? We are pretty quick um, and we can do it. If you're going to use us and it is for a nurse or a doctor who is going to work on the COVID programme for you, please, 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 as the job title, put COVID-19 volunteer and then their title, GP, nurse, whatever. That way, you will have to pay a £10 admin fee because that's what it costs us, unfortunately, to do it. But that way, at least you only pay £10. What's been happening is people have been putting in general practitioner or nurse. And of course, it's coming up with our, the normal fee that we have to pay to DBS. And then you're coming back to us and saying, oh, I thought this was free. And we're having to make a refund, which costs us. So if we can just make it clear, if, it, if it's a COVID-19 volunteer, put that and then put the job title. And while we're talking about job titles, you'll be thrilled to hear that Wessex LMCs had a DBS compliance inspection last week, very similar to your CQC inspections. It was an interesting few hours. And um, one of the things that they picked us up on, and, and we understand this, is that when you're putting in a job title, for a member of staff, you've got some wonderful, fanciful, beautiful names for your staff, um, but DBS doesn't recognise them. So they're questioning us as to the eligibility of that person for a health check. We're going to try with 14 fish to reduce the options so that it won't accept, I'm afraid, something like health champion, because DBS said, we don't know what a health champion is. You know, what do they do? And of course, we all know that across different practices, they do different things. So what what we've got to try and, and get done is that the title needs to reflect really the eligibility for a check. So Mr. Handyman probably would not be eligible. Whether or not it's standard or enhanced. So if your receptionists are also chaperones, please put chaperone in the title because that deems them eligible for a DBS, whereas receptionist doesn't. So um, 
we'll help you with that and hopefully we're going to make the um dbs site a lot easier so that you put in something it either rejects it or accepts it if it accepts it it'll tell you whether it's standard or enhanced and that way we will fulfill our dbs requirements it's nice not to talk about covid sometimes even if it is like that right i'm um, i'm going to pass over to lisa now to uh, talk about nhs pensions for aws Yep, thanks, Carol. And um, this was just a, a quick item about the pension scheme access for ARS staff. As you might be aware, there, there is um, an issue potentially around ARS staff um, who are employed by GP federations who could lose their APMS contract as a result of the changes to the extended access scheme. Um, as you'll probably already be aware, that, that has been delayed in terms of uh, the extended access uh, until April 22. Um, so it makes the issue less pressing um, for GP feds, but also just to be aware that um, those GP federations uh, without a G GMS, PMS or APMS contract um, applying for temporary access to the NHS pension schemes, that ability has now been extended until March 2023. And that's been confirmed in the updated NHS uh, BSA guidance. Um, so we can make that available to you if, if that helps. Um, I was also just going to move on to a couple of other issues. Um, one is that we're aware that practices are getting contacted by carers asking for COVID vaccination. Just to confirm that within the JCBI guidance on the priority cohorts, um, cohort six states that this also includes those who are in receipt of carer's allowance or those who are the main carer of an elderly or disabled person whose welfare may be at risk if the carer falls ill. Um, we're also aware that separate work is ongoing to try and identify all unpaid carers so that they can be vaccinated. Um, and there is an awareness that a high proportion of carers will probably be aged 50 or above, so they would probably fall within one of the JCPI co cohorts anyway. Um, with regard to those below 50 in caring for vulnerable people, um, further guidance is going to be pu published. So um, it's just to say, watch this space and we'll circulate that as soon as it's available. And then the next item, Louise, I think you were very kindly, or Dawn, going to try and share the screen. For yeah, no one's going to do that, Lisa. Yeah. Um, so this was just circulated on the, the um, PC webinar last week. So just to make you aware, you'll be aware that actually it's been this case for quite some time that patients don't have to provide ID to register. Um, but these, these cards are being distributed to local health watch and charitable voluntary organisations. So it's just to make you aware in case anybody comes in, you might want to brief your reception teams. There's no change to the access arrangements at the moment. Um, but it's just that you may see these, come, these, these cards coming into the practice from time to time. Um, so it was just to make you aware. Any queries, we do have some guidance on the website around registration that's quite extensive, includes homeless, asylum seekers and so on and so forth. So any queries, have a look at the website or just um, ping an email into the office. Excellent, sir. Got any questions, Louise? Yes, I think there's one just for Lisa there. Currently, all carers, irrespective of receipt of carer allowance or whether informal or formal, cohort six, in addition to this, based 
on that? Can we ask for ID to register? And can we ask for evidence of a care allowance? So I think it's just, you know, how much evidence do we need to look for and how much proof do we need yes. for allowing someone to be in that particular cohort and get a vaccine? Yes. So, so I think some people may already be on the carers register. I think in terms of ID, I would, I would wait. We're waiting for the guidance. So we're not aware of anything at the moment. I'm looking to Michelle and... Um, Carol and Dawn, but I would watch wait, watch the space and we should get more guidance. Thank you, Lisa. It's a, really, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because you don't want to disbelieve a patient, but we also know that we, we've got the ones that think, ah, I could go up the cohort if I'm if I pretend to be a carer, shall we say. I'm pretty sure in most cases that wouldn't wouldn't be um, you know, the, the situation. But it, it it is difficult. You're in a difficult position. And I think we're getting queries, aren't we, that you've got carers, um, that unpaid carers coming to the practice asking for it to be coded onto their record. So that mm -hmm. then ensures that they're picked up in cohort six. I think, as Lisa said, it's just waiting for that guidance around what action you, you need to take. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Michelle. I think one of the Dawn's been helpfully answering some of the questions, so we haven't got very many at all. Um, but just to say the flexible pool, we will as soon as we find out more information about that, we'll put some sort of practical scenarios. If I were if, if I come into my practice on Monday morning and I've got a nurse officer, a doctor officer, can I go to my CCG and ask for help with? We're gonna try and make it as practical and as easy to access it as possible for you. Um, but at the moment we're struggling through the documentation and struggling to get to get to the actual practical applications of the answers that we think are out there. Um, and I just want to work with our CCG colleagues and not raise expectation is the other thing we were trying to do. So we just want to make it practical. I think the problem as well, Louise, is that some of that work has been delegated from CCGs to community trusts. And it's quite difficult for a community trust to understand what a practice needs. And so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's getting that balance right and getting people to understand what they can ask for and getting the other side who are supplying to to understand what's needed. So, yeah, but yeah, we'll, we will keep going. We should get something soon. Um, and certainly people have said, can we share the slides? They obviously, we will certainly share the link to the funding um, spreadsheet that Michelle um, shared earlier. And certainly shared, it was literally the one slide of what, what the access cards look like. But we, uh, the reason why we shared the screen, because we knew it was helpful for you to actually see it. Yes, of course, we will do that as well. Um, we'll send the health inequality slide round. Um, just a comment, we're told to signpost unpaid carers to a West Hampshire email account to check validity and book into the clinic at Oakley Road. I have no idea. That's obviously a local solution. Whether or not there are local solutions everywhere, I don't know. I don't know whether anybody else knows about more about that. I think that's the problem. I think there are different solutions all over the place. I mean, Oakley Road's opened up as a mass vaccination centre now. Um, and I think where there are mass vaccination centres, they are dealing with a lot of um, the carer side of things and 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 also healthcare professionals and social care professionals um, so yeah you can point them there and any advice there's just been a comment in about the patient thinking they can get, or knowing they can get a an earlier date with for their second vaccine at a different site to where they had their first vaccine so what advice are we giving patients if or, or on, on any of that Pinnacle should actually pick, the national booking system should pick that up and not allow them to book elsewhere. They are supposed to have their second vaccine at the same site. If there's a flaw in the system, we need to know about it. It is supposed to stop them being able to do that. Um, 
on on the national booking system so um again that's one we can we can ask nigel to look at if, if we can get some detail if anybody could let us have something on that be good i think sometimes patients can can bypass the system and are cleverer and they sort of do something before the system catches up with them don't they so um Mm, yeah. Possibly, yeah. Tricky. Um, do we know where we can get hold of the vaccination provider ODS code list, please? That sounds like one for Dawn. <laughs> oh, that's the hospital pass, I think you call that, don't you? <laughs> so we will certainly look at that. And um, unless Dawn, you want to come on and answer now, we can put that in the FAQs. Do you want to? I think it's on futures, but I'll check and I'll find it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who do we go back to with queries or errors that are received via Pinnacle from other healthcare providers? We've had some incorrect entries, second dose when it should have been first, that sort of thing. Well, at the moment, we have to go back to Pinnacle itself. Um, Dawn and I were looking at this earlier, weren't we? And I, I've, I mean, actually, do you want to answer it, Dawn? Because I've, I've started to read it, but my God, you give me so much information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, OK. All the information is on the Futures website. Um, Pinnacle itself, the, um, the contact number is not actually for Pinnacle, which is owned by Outcomes for Health. It's actually the main one for the vaccine programme, which again is on Futures, but I, I can put that in our FAQs. But they do say contact us if you've got any data issues, Pinnacle Foundry or other. Um, and there is quite a large piece that went to all I say a piece, it was a daily update on Friday that went to all PCN vaccination sites, um, which does give chapter on verse and, uh, as to what you should or shouldn't be doing. Um, but the, the whole crux of it is validating your information. Um, and rather than confuse it more, I think probably best if we put all that in the FAQs because yeah. it's quite a large piece, like you say. Yeah. Thanks. Well, I think it, there is so much information, isn't there? It's trying to find out the exact answer to your exact question when you need it is proving quite challenging, I think. Um, how would you classify people who work at a park and ride test site? Employers are saying they're key workers. Are they cohort two or six? Are they truly frontline staff? And we're getting many requests for critical or key workers. There is a clear, there is a there is a, do, a document, isn't there? There's a part, there's a document that that clarifies who are what are frontline workers and there's mm. different cohorts. Again, we can pop that into the FAQ document, um, and I I would hope that that would give you an answer as to if those fit those criteria. Yeah, I think I think you know when the last one I read, but hopefully it's the latest. But I will have to check. Was that um, people that are marshalling and stuff like that are actually protected because they're they're wearing all the PPE. They're not going anywhere near the actual patients. It's it's those workers that actually are working with patients rather than for. I think that's the difference. But yeah, we'll put that up and then it'll give you the list of who who's in what. Um, I think this might be a slightly rhetorical question, but why didn't the NHS England target a different cohort of patients instead of starting with the same as practices? Because it's caused so much confusion, patients cancelling appointments and wasted practices time. They And in fact, well done, because NHS England have finally picked up on that. And they are going to do cohorts five and six differently um, and send people to different vaccinators depending on that cohort and, and, and what they are. So um, they, they, 
finally recognised it. But, you know, it's new for all of us, isn't it? And you don't always know um, what's going to happen. And it doesn't help when letters get sent out that totally confuse patients and who've already got an appointment who think they now need to make another appointment and various things. They're learning, we're learning. But yeah, that has been recognised. And I think we'll find going down the cohorts, there will be um, much more definition about where people go um, and from what cohort. I think this is just more of a warning, really. So Pinnacle's very slow to update. We've given a second uh, second first COVID vaccine to a nursing home patient not registered with the practice who actually had had it elsewhere three days before. So I suppose I don't I don't know what the, what you can do about that, really. Um, that's a worry, isn't it? I think, I mean, the, the issues with Pinnacle are, are, are pretty well known now. And I think Futures and NHS Digital are trying to work on various platforms to make sure that it gets uh, speeded up. But I don't know. I don't do you know where we are with that, Dawn. Um, I, I haven't heard anything much lately. No. Okay. No. Sorry, nothing else more at the moment. Sorry. Um, do you know when we will get our MYS login and passwords as time is marching on for us to validate our Pinnacle data? And I don't believe anybody has had these yet. So this is for um, claiming the COVID vaccinations that have been given. And I think on one of the updates, that I, I think the news update, there was initially a deadline that's been extended. And the deadline for receiving the email and the login details is today. And they've extended when you've got to go in and sign off the, and validate the, the claims. So you should have something by today unless it gets delayed again, um, which hopefully it won't because this will impact the money that you're getting through for um, December and January. We have had information to try and check your um, junk mail because it will be an email coming to the two people that have registered from your PCN grouping. So I would just check the junk mails just in case. But um, the last we the last update we had is today they would be sent by today. They would have sent the login details. Thanks, Michelle. Um, we've had a lot of patients who have given the COVID vaccine, who've been given the COVID vaccine at the hospital, but we have no information. Who do we contact to get this information? Or how do we contact this patient? How do we know who they are? What do we do about them? I wonder if it's worth going to the COVID um, vaccination leads for your CCG, just to highlight that this is an issue. I think we've had this raised in another area and that was what was suggested. Yeah, sorry, I know I'm looking very puzzled because I thought we'd tackled that and, and been given assurances, but clearly it's still happening. So again, um, yes, it's worth going to the, the local uh, vaccine coordinator, um, but we'll raise it as well. And we'll ask Nigel again to do it on the uh, regional and national groups. Thank you. Sorry, another, I was just about to say that's all questions. Another, another one's popped in. Um, a non-COVID random question, that's the heading. Medical cannabis cards. Requests for GPs to disagree, agree. I feel I've read something about them not engaging or responding, but I can't remember. So does anybody know anything much about medical cannabis cards? We, we are aware I, of them. I we think Lisa's going to come in with something. It's not I'm going to quick. I can hear a dog barking in the background. So I believe that our medical directors have responded to a few queries on that. So we'll go away and dig out those, those responses. But I, I think you can't do much at the moment. But yes, we'll find a response and pop it in the FAQ. Okay. Thank you, Lisa. Um, 
I think unless anybody wants to add any more, there aren't any more questions. Carol, did you want to add any more? I think the only thing I would say is we, we have covered quite a lot today quite quickly. Um, we've talked a lot about this is available there and this is available there. What we will do to make life easier, we'll put all of those links on the FAQs because um, we don't want you having to search for them. There's nothing worse. Um, we were having a conversation this morning about, you know, how much information is too much information and what do you leave out and it's very very difficult so all the stuff we've talked about today we will make sure that you get that and yes Melanie the recording will be available um, as soon as Louise can get it edited down and, and uploaded on the website. Yeah we'll certainly put it all out um, as an audio podcast um, but you can also even though there isn't a lot to see apart from us of course um, we also put it on the website so that with all the links um, so you can see that. So obviously, when you listen to it on your podcast, you can't get the links there. But we will, because we host it on our website too, you'll be able to click on all the links there. So hopefully that will be useful for you. So the two things that we screen shared today, obviously you can't see those because it's a podcast. But the links to those, again, will be in the FAQ. So, so the card and the uh, funding pots will be there. But the funding pots is already available on the website anyway. So. And I love the fact that if you put in the search button pots, you'll get it. I think that's fantastic. I like yes, I like that very much. <laughs> Thanks to Dawn. Yeah. It was just for us, though, wasn't it? <laughs> you might be wondering why we haven't covered oximetry at home and the um, the virtual wards. That was because Helena um, Irvin, our nurse advisor, couldn't join us today. And she's actually been involved on a national programme for that. So we felt she's definitely the right person to talk to you about it. So she's going to update you um, on our next podcast. Um, one of the things she said this morning is that they are lowering the age group down from whatever it was, 65, 60, down to 50 um, very shortly. And that will be coming out soon. So we'll be covering that next time in, in more detail. Okay. Lovely. Thank you, Carol. Thank you very much, Michelle, Lisa, Dawn, Carol. Um, thank you very much for joining us. Hopefully it's been useful and we will say see you again in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you. Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice.